Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us today. I pray, Lord, that we will indeed have our ears open to what you're saying to us this morning and that we will learn something more of you. May we have an encounter with you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to revisit Elijah again today. Um, We've learnt quite a lot um, about him over the last few months, haven't we, from his story. Today, I hope we'll learn something about prayer. Um, I do the Lectio 365 app readings every day. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a reading from James in which Elijah is mentioned. And it interested me. And uh, as I looked at it, I thought that that could form the basis of a talk. It's James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, which reads, Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly, that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. The person doing the Lectio study that day went on to bring out some thoughts from this passage that I think it would be good to look at. But first of all, I thought perhaps we'd recap Elijah's story. The first mention of Elijah in the Bible comes in 1 Kings 17. I want to go back a few verses, back into chapter 16, so that we can see why God tells Elijah to do what he tells him to do. So chapter 16, verses 29 to 33, read, Ahab, son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 22 years. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbal of the Sidonians. And he began to bow down in worship of Baal, First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. There had been a succession of kings who ignored God's law and did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And when you read through that part of of one kings, it's one after the other, turning their back on God and doing wrong in God's eyes. And then Ahab becomes king. And as we read, he did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. Enter Elijah. Chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Quite an entrance, don't you think? 
What a promise to make before an evil king. We don't hear anything about Elijah before this, but he is obviously a prophet of God, and he seems to be known. So he was obviously a well-known prophet of God. And um, I think you'll agree, he seems pretty brave. So drought and famine came on the land. And as we've looked at before, Elijah is looked after by God. First, he lives by a brook in the wilderness, and God sends ravens to him with food. And then when the brook dries up, God tells him to go to Zarephath. And as Mandy told us a couple of weeks ago, he was led to a widow who then looks after him in a miraculous way with the flour and oil that never runs out. And then after about three and a half years, Elijah is told to present himself before Ahab again. Chapter 18. Later on, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to, be, to appear before Ahab. So by this time, Ahab has decided Elijah is not a nice person, and he's very cross with him. He, when It goes a little bit after that. When, when um, Elijah meets with him, he says, what do you want, troubler of Israel? So he's not going to be very well received. And yet he does it. He does as God tells him. So it's quite a brave thing again, wasn't it? This is when we come to that dramatic story of Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal to a contest to see whether Baal or the Lord God Almighty are the true God. He gets them to set up an altar on Mount Carmel, tells them to call their God to send fire and burn up an offering. And we know that they can't get Baal to do anything of the sort. He doesn't respond. But of course, once Elijah calls on the Lord God Almighty to send fire, the offering, the altar, everything around gets burnt up in an amazing display of power. It's a really exciting read, so if you get a chance to read chapters 17 and 18 of 1 Kings, do. It's, it's just exciting to read. Elijah tells Ahab to get ready for the rain to come. And then in verse 45 of chapter 18, we read, And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrible rain, a terrific rather, rainstorm. The person doing the Lectio 365 that day wrote, What Elijah was able to accomplish through prayer is quite outstanding and downright intimidating too. I'm grateful, therefore, that the Apostle James shows us that Elijah wasn't superhuman after all, but he, that he was human just like me. He got tired, he got angry, and he even failed sometimes. However, there's one thing that made him different from many of us. Many of us. He prayed earnestly. Elijah prayed with intensity and tenacity. From our previous looks at Elijah, we know that he indeed had fears and doubts. He ran away a few times. He got angry 
angry with God, angry with what was happening, and sometimes he failed. It's encouraging, isn't it, to know that God didn't just despair of him, but was still able to use Elijah. But it's true that in one area, he indeed was doing better than me, and I dare say most of us, and that was in his prayer life. How many times do I pray with that amount of confidence that God will do what I'm asking? How many times do I get to a point where I feel my prayers aren't getting anywhere? People say they feel the prayers are just hitting the ceiling. You feel like you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. The writer of Lectio said something I found really encouraging. After three and a half years of no rain, Elijah prayed again. The rain came and the earth produced crops. This implies, he says, that the farmers were willing to sow seeds in the dust while there was no rain, believing that one day rain would come. Prayer sometimes can feel like this as if I'm sowing seeds in the dust. Physically, it feels as if nothing is happening. But in fact, that's not the case spiritually. I want to have seeds in the ground when the rain comes. I just love that picture that he paints. We've all seen desperate images of farmers in countries where there's drought and famine sowing seeds hoping, believing, trusting one day rain will come. Even when there isn't a drought, some of the countries are so hot that they are sowing seeds in dust. But they're trusting there will be rain. When we pray, we are sowing seeds. Maybe it feels as though we are sowing into dust. But we can sow knowing God hears our prayers and at the right time, he will send rain. I think we sometimes forget there is great power available to us through prayer. James says in verse 16 of chapter 5, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And we're told, aren't we, to be persistent in prayer, not to give up, keep on praying. There's an acronym, PUSH, pray until something happens. It's too easy to give up. We must keep on knocking on heaven's door. I was encouraged this week when one of the people at our church prayer meeting on Zoom pointed out all the answers to prayer we've had over the last two and a half years of running the Zoom meeting. It's great to be reminded and to see where God is using us and he answers our prayers. So we must not give up praying. Even when we can't see it, God is working. Have you ever worried on a day like today when it's 
cloudy and stormy. Have you ever worried the sun's not there, it's gone away? No, of course we don't. We know it's still there. Behind the clouds, the sun is still doing its job. The sun is still shining and giving warmth and controlling um, the, the earth. It's still there. Even when we can't see God working, he is still there. He is in control. We don't know what's going on in the heavenly realms. We don't know what battles are being fought on our behalf. God is still working, even when we can't see the answers yet. I'm willing to trust him. Are you? Let's pray. Lord, I choose to trust you when it seems like my prayers aren't making a difference. I know you are listening. I know you are at work when I cannot see what is happening. I trust you, Lord. Amen.